Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. Daily Hammer, your daily news source when it comes to the Atlanta Braves as part of the Battery Power Podcast Network. My name is Sean Coleman. Hope wherever you are and wherever you are listening, you are having an outstanding start to your Tuesday. Of course, you can find the Daily Hammer, the Battery Power Podcast, the Road to Atlanta Podcast, a special edition of the Road to Atlanta Podcast will be available later on today wherever you get your wherever you get your podcast for free. The Battery Power Podcast, Road to Atlanta Podcast, Daily Hammer, as well as all the great podcasts content from Battery Power at batterypower.com at batterypowersbn and Free on all podcast platforms. Wherever you enjoy listening to your podcast, that's where we will be for free. Just make sure you hit that subscribe button to get all the latest content. My name's Sean Coleman. You can find me at StatsSAC on Twitter. When it comes to the Braves, here's the latest from Atlanta. And the la- since the last time we talked, there has been a lot of developments when it comes to the Braves both on and off the field. As many of us already knew, coming into the start of this week, there was already going to be plenty of excitement on the field with the Braves coming into last night's game against the Mets, having closed the gap in in the NL East to one and a half games on New York. However, I'm not sure many of us had prepared for how much news was going to be happening off the field. So before we get into last night's game, let's do a quick rundown of all that has occurred for the Braves over the past 48 or so hours. Of course, we know that five Braves were announced to be a part of the NL All-Star squad in Los Angeles. Ronald Acuna Jr. will be starting for the National League along with William Contreras with Travis Darno, Dansby Swanson, and Max Freed joining Acuna Jr. and Contreras in L.A. for the National League squad. Well, it was also announced on Monday that as part of the 2022 All-Star festivities, Ronald Acuna Jr. will be in the 2022 Home Run Derby. He will be representing the National League along with two-time champion Pete Alonso, Juan Soto, and legend Albert Pujols. They should be making up the National League side of things. So it's exciting for Braves fans to know that Ronald Acuna Jr. is going to be in the Home Run Derby. He was in the 2019 Home Run Derby, put on one of the more impressive power displays in recent memory during the contest. So it's going to be exciting to see Ronald Acuna Jr. a year after 
he was unavailable due to his ACL injury during the 2021 season. A year later, Ronald Acuna Jr. will be starting for the National League in the All-Star Game and participating in the Home Run Derby, which is definitely great to see. Speaking of players who are putting on great performances, Austin Riley was named the NL Player of the Week for the first full week in July. He backed it up, providing the Braves with their lone run last night in the 4-1 loss to the Mets with... His 24th home run of the year. It's hard to argue that there are many better hitters right now in the game in terms of production than Austin Riley, so it's great to see him continuing to swing the bat. But perhaps the biggest news of all are two moves that the Braves made off the field. One was the Braves trading prospects Andrew Hoffman, C.J. Alexander, and former top prospect Drew Waters to the Kansas City Royals for the 35th pick in the 2022 MLB Draft. Now, perhaps even more significant than the Braves acquiring the lone pick and now having you know several picks in the top 100 in this draft is the Braves also got an additional $2.2 million to their MLB draft pool. It's a very interesting and creative trade for the Braves who, who are certainly focused on trying to get their farm system, trying to add some quality to their farm system in this draft. And it's also quite interesting to see Drew Waters, a former top prospect, who's kind of seen his prospect um, stock drop a bit in uh, over the past few years after being a you know top 100 prospect at times on many lists a few years ago. He gets a new beginning in Kansas City. For the latest on that trade, watch out for a, a brand new episode of the Road to Atlanta podcast. And not necessarily emergency, but bonus episode of the Road to Atlanta podcast breaking down exactly who the Braves traded and Waters Hoffman and C.J. Alexander and what it means for the MLB draft for the Braves, which is just a few days away. Not only will you get a Road to Atlanta podcast later on today, but you'll also have an MLB draft preview of the Road to Atlanta podcast later on this week. So five Braves make the All-Star game. Obviously, um, Austin Riley named NL Player of the Week. The Braves trading a prospect package, including Drew Waters, to the Royals for the 35th pick of the draft. And if that's not enough, the Braves also traded for former multi-time All-Star Robinson Cano from the San Diego Padres for cash considerations. We'll break that trade down in just a moment. But of course, so many news highlights. Wanted to get to each of them just to break down all that has occurred for the Braves on and off the field. But on the field, it was a special matchup on Monday night as Max Scherzer of the Mets faced off against Max Freed of the Atlanta Braves, two of the you know pitchers who have looked the best in the National League when they've been on the mound this year. And unfortunately for Atlanta, in the matchup of the Maxes, it was Max Scherzer who was much more on his game than Max Freed. Now, Freed only allowed two runs over five innings, but it was very, very understood early on. He was not on his game. I know that there was a bit of concern the last time that Freed was on the mound, he he had had some, he had experienced a bit of tightness in his leg. The last time he was on the mound, don't necessarily know if that really had anything to do 
with Freed, but early on he did not have the same control that we typically are, are, are you know used to seeing from Max Freed. And though he only gave up two runs, he, he definitely was you know significantly less effective than he usually was on the mound. But he still was able to do a very good job of keeping the Mets offense limited in terms of their production. The problem was was that the Braves just could not put together any type of success against Max Scherzer. And even though the Braves had an opportunity after an Austin Riley home run made the score 2-1, to one, the Braves had an opportunity to potentially tie the score in the bottom of the eighth inning. They were unable to do so, unfortunately, as Dansby Swanson grounded out with runners on second and third. And then, of course, the Mets added on another run in the top of the fourth. The Braves could not make any noise against Edwin Diaz, and the game was over. One of the other things that stands out in this 4-1 loss for the Braves is despite the fact that the Braves' offense was silenced by Max Scherzer, that's something that happens. You know, that that's one of the best pitchers of our generation performing like one of the best pitchers of our generation. But the other thing that also stood out was that the Braves were at one point only down 2-1. to one. But Darren O'Day and Jackson Stevens both gave up runs in the 8th and the ninth inning to make that lead even harder to overcome against the Mets. One of the things that is emerging as a need for the Braves, though it's hard to really see, you know, when you start naming names, it's hard to see a potential need being there. But then when you start to see, okay, the question marks that are around the Braves' bullpen, perhaps another bullpen arm is emerging as a need for Atlanta. Because right now, look at what the Braves have at their disposal when it comes to the bullpen. Your top right-handers right now are Darren O'Day, Jackson Stevens, and Colin McHugh. O'Day and Stevens have obviously regressed after some early season success. Colin McHugh, though, overall his peripherals, his, his, his underlying statistics, those may be you know a bit better than his actual results. He's been a bit hard to trust as well. And then on the left-hand side of things, yes, you do have A.J. Minter, but Will Smith has struggled. Tyler Matzik is just coming back from uh, from being out for two months with the shoulder injury. Though Dylan Lee has been pretty good in his performances, he just you know gave up a, a three-run homer to Lane Thomas against the Nationals. Even when you bring back Kirby Yates and Kenley Jansen, Kirby Yates is going to be returning after being off for more than a year due to Tommy John surgery, and Kenley Jansen is going to be returning from injury due to having an irregular heartbeat. The point that I'm getting at is, is that at some point in time, over the next six weeks, the Braves' top right-handed options may be Colin McHugh, Kirby Yates, and Kenley Jansen. While from the left-handed side of things on the mound, they'll have Minter, Smith, and Matzik, that's a stacked bullpen. But there's plenty of question marks when it comes to that bullpen as well. And so if the Braves run into more injuries for their bullpen, it may be wise for them to add another arm that they could rely on to provide depth in the bullpen. Because we're starting to see, you know, even though the Braves' bullpen numbers have been quite impressive, there also has been plenty of times where the bullpen has struggled, especially in close games. So, not the ideal start to the series, but there's two more opportunities for the Braves to be able to put one in the win column, and it'll be exciting to see with Spencer Strider on the mound on Tuesday night. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. 
questions including what are we missing when we work remotely or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking. From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to the future of work, a PropG Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropG Pod wherever you get your podcasts. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. So Sunday afternoon after the Braves had had swept the Nationals, the announcement of the All-Star teams were made. Out of nowhere, there was news that the Braves had traded for second baseman Robinson Cano from the San Diego Padres for cash considerations. Now, to kind of tell you the story of Cano's year so far, he was suspended during the 2021 season due to performance-enhancing drug use. He was eventually released by the Mets, caught on with the Padres, and was in their minor league system. Cano struggled in his in his uh, brief time in the majors this year, but at in San Diego's minor league system, Cano had shown flashes of still having something left in the tank when it came to his overall offensive performance. Now, if you looked at his minor league numbers, those should come with a grain of salt. Where Cano was playing, that part of the minor leagues is notorious for having high, high offensive volume, very high offensive production. Those offensive numbers can easily become inflated where Cano was playing minor league baseball, but still, he showed some impressive at-bats, and enough to, to say for the Braves to take a chance on him potentially having something to contribute, even though he will turn 40 in October. And for the Braves, you have to, there's some logic in the reason why they went after Cano. You didn't have to give up anything of value to go get him other than cash considerations. You know with Orlando Arcia having really regressed in terms of his offensive production, Phil Gosselin really not providing anything of any value right now. The Braves had a couple of needs that Cano could feel. For one, he could be a bit of an offensive upgrade at the second base position while Ozzie Albies is continuing to recover from his wrist surgery. You also have it to where Cano could be an upgrade when it comes to a bench bat option as the season progresses and perhaps even into the playoffs. Because the Braves certainly could use another left-handed bat, and they also could use an infield option, though Cano could really can only play second base. They could use another infield option while Albies is out. So at the cost of nothing... The Braves were able to go get a player who could provide them a bit more offensive punch in their lineup, plus be able to add a left-handed bat as an option that may be available to produce later on in the season off the bench. And Cano immediately got a start against his former team in the Mets on Monday night and contributed two singles. I don't think you're going to see Cano produce anywhere to the level that he did during a career that, you know, on paper could be Hall of Fame worthy, though, you know, obviously, you know, some other things that have happened in his career may make his Hall of Fame future a bit cloudy. But with Cano, if he can contribute 
anything really at all of value on offense that's better than what the Braves have been receiving over the past few weeks from the second base position. So again, at the cost of nothing, the Braves were able to add a bat that could at least provide some sort of value until Ozzie Albies returns. And at the end of the day, if there's nothing there, you cut ties with Cano, you're not on the hook for really anything at all. It was a very low-risk move that likely is going to produce, you know, not much relevant value, but it's better than the options had currently in place. And so the Braves went out and made the move, and the initial results certainly seem to be favorable. In response to the Braves adding Robinson Cano to the 40-man roster, they designated Phil Gosselin for assignment. They also welcomed back Adam Duvall from the paternity list. Congratulations to Adam Duvall and his wife on the birth of their newborn. So with Cano now in Atlanta, the Braves now have another left-handed bench option that could provide them with a bit of a boost. So that could be another need that's filled that the Braves may not necessarily feel has to be addressed at the trade deadline. Of course, we've discussed the fact that, you know, with the Braves, there are so many options that name value-wise really stand out, both in the rotation and the bullpen. But with the struggles of Ian Anderson, with the struggles of the bullpen here recently, it seems again that the Braves' biggest need when it comes to the trade deadline is perhaps going to be adding another arm or two. I don't think that you're going to see the Braves go after potentially a Luis Castillo or a Frankie Montas. But I do think again that if the Braves can go out and find someone that offers a bit of upside, but more than anything, a durable arm that the Braves feel will be able to remain healthy, I think that that's going to be their focus of course, when it comes to the trade deadline. Another fun factor from this, from yesterday was Albert Pujols, or excuse me, Ronald Acuna Jr. announcing that he will be in the 2022 Home Run Derby. Along with Ronald Acuna Jr. representing the National League will be Pete Alonso, Juan Soto, and Albert Pujols, who will be playing in the All-Star Game due to the legend status designation that he got from Robert Manfred. This is a stack stacked National League half of the Home Run Derby. You've got Ronald Acuna Jr. who put on the show that he did in 2019. Pete Alonso is a two-time champion. Obviously, Juan Soto, if he gets in a groove, he'll be hard to beat. And Pujols, obviously, it'll be fun to see in what is likely his last season, him be able to put on a power display in Los Angeles. So a pretty exciting and, for different reasons, stacked part of the National League half of the Home Run Derby should make the event quite exciting, especially in the setting that is Los Angeles. It'll be great to see not only Ronald Acuna Jr. be a part of the Home Run Derby, but also some very noteworthy teammates, if you will, on the National League side of things in a few days. But of course, before we get to the All-Star festivities, we hopefully will see the Braves continue to make a bit of headway, even though they lost the series opener. The Braves have had plenty of success in recent weeks being able to win series, and tonight they get the chance to do that again with rookie Spencer Strider on the mound against the Mets' David Peterson. Spencer Strider has been absolutely fantastic over his past three or four starts. As the competition level has gone up, Spencer Strider's capabilities as a starter has gone up as well, striking out opposing hitters at a rate that... It's hard to say anybody has done so far this year. At least not at least non-closers have done this year. Spencer Strider has been absolutely fantastic. He was absolutely phenomenal in his last outing against the St. Louis Cardinals. The Braves have to hope 
that his control and the overall ability for him to mismatch will continue to play a big part in the Braves' success early in the game. The big part for me for Spencer Strider tonight, how can he navigate the top of the Mets order? That's going to be a huge, huge development. And can he prevent extra opportunities for the Mets by you know getting his pitch count high early, yielding walks, what have you. If Spencer Strider can avoid that, it should be an exciting night for both he and the Braves. David Peterson, yes, he has had a lot of success so far this season for the Mets, but he's a left-handed pitcher that the Braves have shown they can do very well against when it comes to southpaws. Atlanta's offense will need to be on the top of its game. I know I mentioned this quite a bit, but a huge development for the Braves, especially coming off being silenced last night by Max Scherzer, can they find success early? Can they put make hard content and hard contact and find success early? If the Braves can provide Spencer Strider with some early runs, that could be the support that he needs to really stand out and shine in another outing as the Braves look to even the series with the Mets. Of course, we'll have all the latest for you from the series against the Mets, and if any other interesting roster moves off the field occur for the Braves, your one place to get the latest is here on the Daily Hammer. Don't forget about the special Road to Atlanta podcast out later today, breaking down the Braves' trade of prospects, including Drew Waters to the Royals for the 35th pick in the 2022 MLB Draft, plus the latest from the Battery Power podcast, the Daily Hammer, the new podcast with Stephen Tolbert and Chris Willis, all at BatteryPower.com, at BatteryPowerSB, and free on all podcast platforms. Wherever you listen, that's where we'll be for free. Just make sure you hit the subscribe button to get all the latest content. Until next time, my name's Sean Coleman. Have a great Monday. We'll talk to you again soon here on The Daily Hammer. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G Podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts.